This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Wow, such a joy to be with you guys again. If it's okay, I'm going to go straight to God's Word, and we're going to Mark chapter 16 this morning. And we are going to read Mark's version of the Great Commission. We know that there are three versions. Luke has a version, Matthew has a version, Mark has a version. And so we're going to pick this up in verse 14. And Mark tells us that afterward, he, Jesus, appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who, say that next word with me, believe. believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Can you say amen to the reading of God's word today? Uh, This morning, I think it's still this morning, 10 more minutes, I want to talk to us about the idea of simplifying the supernatural, simplifying the supernatural. Now, I see Dr. Wilson in the room, so I came up with a secondary, more intellectual title of Pneumatic Praxis for Ecclesiastical Expansion and Missiological Momentum. But I think that's probably a little bit too deep, right? Would you agree? Can we stay with simplifying the supernatural, right? Simplifying the supernatural. Uh, On the screen behind me, you're going to see a picture of Bishop Jerome. He's the head of the Burundi AG. He's our primary partner. Five years ago, we sat down with him and began to dream a dream of what it would look like to reach the nation of Burundi. And our solution was we needed a church planting school that would allow us to plant churches all over the beautiful nation of Burundi. You heard Pastor Chris allude to it, but our vision statement became a healthy church within walking distance of every Burundian. Uh, If you do the math, uh, we're celebrating uh, 100 churches this month, actually, that have gone in. Uh, Christian Chapel, 56. So I'm not the greatest at math, but I think that means 56% of them were financed by Christian Chapel. That's pretty awesome, right? And so if you do the math, 75 to 150 people per church, that means that 7,500 to 15,000 Burundians have had an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and are now attending local churches in the nation of Burundi. To God be the glory. People have asked sometimes, how is this possible? And as I was thinking about this message, the only thing that I could come up with was supernatural activity. There's been supernatural favor, supernatural provision, supernatural protection, and supernatural confirmation. And I kept coming back to Mark's version of the Great Commission. Because I think what Mark is saying is that missions is not supposed to be some abstract theological concept that we discuss one time per year in a church or that we see in a kingdom builder's highlight reel. Instead, it's supposed to involve you and me. And I love how he lines this out in Mark 16 because it seems to be an invitation to regular, normal, common believers like you and like myself. On the screen, you'll see the picture of our church planting class for this year. It's so cool when we were asking them their background because some of them are elementary school teachers, some of them are teenagers, some of them are farmers, 
Some of them are structural engineers and business people. There's at least one nursing mother, a police officer, and an army official. You say, well, what's the common denominator? The common denominator is that they realize that there is no plan B for reaching the nation of Burundi. Either they respond to the call of God or people will not have the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Mark's account, the critical word which I had you repeat with me is this idea of believe. Now, often we associate believe with basic evangelism, right? And throughout the New Testament, we have multiple passages that illustrate what happens when the gospel is declared. For example, we have Acts 16.31, where Peter is talking to the jailer in Philippi. He tells him, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your whole household will be saved. What a beautiful promise, right? And then Paul tells the believers in Rome, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How many of you today are thankful that there was a moment when you heard the gospel declared over your life, faith erupted inside of you because of the work of the Holy Spirit, and you confessed Jesus, and now there has been a transformation in your life where you're no longer under the power of darkness, you're now in the kingdom of light. Hallelujah. We are thankful for salvation, right? We are thankful for that. What we've done in the Western church, though, is we've turned evangelism and salvation into a one-time event. And we say, believe, Jesus, believe, oh yeah, I did that whole thing one time when I raised my hand 15 years ago at a youth camp. And so when Mark says, that Jesus says, believe and you'll be saved, we go, oh yeah, we've done that. What, what else is new under the sun? But please remember that the word believe, pisteo, in the New Testament, involves so much more than just mental assent. It's more than verbal assertion. It's more than uh, just a verbal agreement. It implies a wholehearted surrender to the life and teaching of Jesus Christ. It's where we get this idea of discipleship. Believe ultimately leads into discipleship. And I think this is coming out in the passage because Jesus says you believe and you're baptized. It's not just that you have some kind of internal thing that happens, but there also has to be an external outworking of what Jesus is doing internally that's expressed to other people around you, right? And I think that the reason Jesus is including this here in Mark's version is because he's articulating the priority of the gospel, the priority of the gospel. Sometimes we forget that the gospel is literally a life and death message. Do you see what Jesus says here in verse 16? He says, those who believe the gospel are saved, but those who don't believe the gospel are condemned. Now, this is not rocket science, and what I'm about to say is hopefully very obvious, but there's not a third category that Jesus offers here, right? There's not this idea, well, I'm partially convinced, and I'm just deconstructing in my faith for a moment, and I have one foot in the world and one foot with God. No, Jesus says there's two options. You either believe and you're saved, or you don't believe and you're condemned, right? And so the priority of the gospel comes through. Now, what Mark is also going to do in chapter 16 is he's going to demonstrate that there can still be a battle that rages for faith in your heart and in my heart. In fact, in verses 10 and 11 in this passage, Mary Magdalene will come to the disciples and try to convince them that she's seen the resurrection. And they say, no, we're not so sure about that. And then in verses 12 and 13, the two on the road to Emmaus try to convince them again <clears throat> that Jesus has beaten the grave. And they refuse to listen to uh, those two disciples as well. And so the idea here is that believing isn't just so much, well, Jesus was a nice person, which our society doesn't really have a problem with. The idea here is that you and I, when it comes to the idea of faith, have to be convinced that Jesus is not only 
who he says that he is, but he did what he said that he did, right? He rose from the dead. He is alive and he is resurrected, okay? And so can I remind us today that the gospel is what determines people's destiny. And then it's interesting that in verse 17, Jesus is going to begin talking about the supernatural in the life of a believer, And I'm thinking, okay, Stephen, this is where you probably need to pay attention because I want to experience the supernatural in my life. Anybody else? Just two of us? Okay, there are some of us. Okay, that's great. And so I'm thinking to myself, what is Jesus going to say? Like, what what are the requirements for operating in the supernatural? Is Jesus going to say, well, you have to pray four hours every day and then signs and wonders will accompany you? It's not what he says. Is Jesus going to say, well, if you memorize the Torah in the original Aramaic, and then if you're able to translate it into Koine and articulate it in biblical Greek, then the supernatural will operate in your life. That's not what he says. In fact, Jesus goes back to the same word that articulates this idea of salvation and evangelism, which was belief, and all that he says is required for you and I to operate in the supernatural is this exact same idea. This idea that Jesus is who he says that he is and that Jesus has done what he says he has done, right? And so I think what Mark is communicating to us is that the same faith that saves us is the same faith that releases God's supernatural power into our lives. And the lesson in Mark 16 is this. Any and every believer in Christ can experience the supernatural power of God in their current situation. That may be true today, not only here in the third service at Christian Chapel, but it's also true in Burundi. It's just as true in Asia as it is in Europe. This idea is that as we choose to operate in faith, the supernatural power of God is released in our lives. So let's look at three aspects of simplifying the supernatural this morning, okay? Aspect number one. Simplifying the supernatural starts with going. Simplifying the supernatural starts with going. All three versions of the Great Commission involve one key critical action word, and that word is go, right? Go. And here in Mark's version, he tells us, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Going and proclaiming. It sounds easy enough, right? But how many of you know that the world is a big place? Three of us are down here, okay. The world (laughs) is a huge place. 17,000 ethnic groups, 7,000 languages, 233 countries and territories. On the screen behind me, you'll see the map of the beautiful country of Burundi. Burundi comprises three of these ethnic groups, the Hutu, the Tutsi, and the Batwa. Interestingly, Burundi is one of the only countries in the world where all three people groups speak the same language, which is the language of Kirundi. The population is about 13 million. And I think when Mark says go, even though he may not have realized it at the time, he was prophesying or envisioning a moment when the gospel would also access the corridors of Central Africa. On the screen, you're going to see that there's clusters of churches on the map behind me. And what's been really cool is to watch the church developing in the 18 provinces of Burundi. As of this moment, we now have churches in 17 of the 18 provinces. And the final province, we just bought the land last month, right? So we can see the gospel beginning to go. Can you see the go, the, 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 the concentric circles? Uh, Pastor Chris talked about 56 churches. You'll see the churches in black represent the 20 new churches that you helped us with uh, last year, or this year, I should say. And what's beautiful is right now in Burundi, through Involved International, there's a new church being planted every 12 days. 
I love that stat. Uh, we also work in Kenya. We work in Eastern Congo. And if you put all of it together, that's a new church every week that Jesus is raising up. We believe in building his church, right? You'll see the clusters there. You may be wondering, what's that about? We call this the third generation effect. The idea is that someone gets a call. They go to the church planting school. They then go and plant a church. They then decide that God has called them not just to plant one church, but multiple churches. So they raise up somebody else in their church, send them to church planting school. They go and plant a church. And so the process continues even until the third and the fourth generation, right? Can I make one simple observation today about this idea of going? Going happens best when we choose to follow Jesus. I know it's simple, but going happens best when we choose to follow Jesus. Matthew 16, 24. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Did you know that Jesus is always in motion? Did you know that when Jesus says, come and follow me, he's not inviting you to come stand in front of a statue or some kind of a crucifix that's fixated on the side of a building? Jesus is always on the go. Jesus is always about the Father's business. And can I remind us today that we are not following a religious organization. We're not following an ecclesiastical structure. We are following the Son of God who is always on mission and his mission has never changed. It is to go and intersect lost and hurting people with the good news that Jesus is alive. Amen? Mark says as we follow Jesus then Jesus ensures that something else is following us. And this is the part that I get really, really excited about. Not that Jesus' resurrection isn't exciting, but this is where the resurrection becomes real in our practical daily life. Mark says, as we follow Jesus, then Jesus ensures that signs are following us. The Greek word signs here is simeon. It means a confirmation of the king's presence as we announce his kingdom in faith. The Greek word parakulotheo, it is this idea here of to accompany, to come alongside, to be in close proximity, to never leave sight of. So think of the visual here. So many times what we've done in the American church is we hear about signs and wonders over there and we run to a conference, we run to a special seminar, and there's nothing wrong with attending a healing conference or when God's doing something unique. But what Jesus does here in Mark chapter 16 is he flips the entire script and he says, actually, when you understand going, when you understand resurrection, when you understand what Jesus has done in your life and my life, and when we operate in faith, it's no longer us chasing the signs, it's that the signs begin to chase us. Woo, I think that that's good news for anybody that needs a supernatural intervention in their life today, Right? So this idea here of going, that the signs will follow. And then the second idea that jumps out of this passage of Scripture to me is that simplifying the supernatural leads to showing. Okay, so we talked about going. Let's talk about showing. It's important to understand that Christianity was never supposed to be just words, right? Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5. He says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. So often when I'm witnessing to people, I will tell them, I'm not trying to talk you into something because if I can talk you into something, someone smarter will come along after me and talk you out of it. Instead, I want you to have a demonstrable assertive encounter with the power of God that will make you unshakable in your faith, right? So when we come to Mark 16, 
Many skeptics have declared verses 9 through 20 an invalid passage. If you look in your Bible, there's this place, probably in most versions, it says the earliest manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses do not have verses 9 through 20. So cessationalists, that's people who say the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit are no longer for today, they love to say that this passage is not valid. Now, I don't have time to go into all the apologetics behind it, but let me just make one observation here. We know that Mark was written somewhere around AD 96, okay? So that's the end of the first century. And that the early church fathers, people like Irenaeus, Justin Martyr, Hippolytus, would write no more than a century later, that's two centuries, the second century, right? And they would use Mark 16 to legitimize and justify the activity of the Holy Spirit that was still continuing in the early church after the death of the apostles and after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I think what Mark Mark 16 is saying is this, even though the 12 disciples are dead, the supernatural is natural in the first century, and it is supposed to be just as natural in the 21st century, right? It's this idea that you and I are invited to continue to experience the resurrection power of Christ as we walk in faith and choose to put our faith in him. Now, I love what Mark is going to do next because he's going to make the supernatural so simple that anyone can understand it. If you heard Pastor Mike Bowie preach at the end of the beginning of August, he preached on disappointment. It was an awesome message. He talked about curse, rehearse, nurse, disperse, and reverse. Anybody remember that? You got to go watch that message. If you haven't watched it, it's so good. And so I thought if he can use these little alliteration terms, then I can use it for my message, right? And so I came up with four ways that Mark wants to make the supernatural practical in the 20th 21st century. He wants to give us deal, seal, repeal, and heal. All right? Can I say it again? Deal, seal, repeal, and heal. Some of you are actually going to remember the message today because I did that. All right. First idea here is deal. Deal with the demonic. Verse 17a, Jesus says, in my name they will cast out demons. It's this idea that as we are going, there has to be a showing because there will be resistance and opposition that the enemy will try to put in our way because he hates it when people have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. And I love it. It's like Jesus doesn't even let it phase anybody. He's just like, just deal with it. Don't get intimidated. Don't get weird. Don't get wigged out. Don't get looking for a demon behind every, you know, whatever it may be. Instead, just deal with it in my name and all will be well. In putting together this message, I reached out to five of our church planters. I just wanted to hear testimonies about what God was doing in recent months. Without exception, all of them gave me multiple stories and testimonies of having to deal with the demonic, indicating to me that this isn't just something for the first century, this is for the 21st century. And so this is from a church plant that Christian Chapel helped with in central Burundi. This is Janine. Janine lives in a place where witchcraft is predominant. A neighbor hired a witch doctor to curse her and her legs and her stomach immediately swole up to the point she was no longer able to function. She went and consulted six other witch doctors trying to find somebody that could reverse this curse on her life. The final witch doctor said, there's nothing we can do. Just go back to your house. You are about to die. That very week, they're planting the church. Someone knocks on her door and says, hi, we're from a new church plant, and we serve Jesus who still heals people. And she said, can your Jesus do anything for me? And they laid hands on her. They bound the power of darkness, and they said, we break this curse in Jesus' name. And today, she is serving the Lord with all her heart at her local church there in Burundi. We have to deal with demonic opposition. Number two, Mark says seal. This allows for the full expression of the Holy Spirit. 
We know in Acts 1-8, the Holy Spirit is presented as the Spirit's power for witness. For this message, I'd like to put it this way. He's the power for going as well as the power for showing, right? So when we talk about the supernatural, we are discussing this idea that the Spirit's natural expression is to release the power of God. And he does so best when people operate in faith. I shared this story one other time here at Christian Chapel, but this is Pastor Chizungu. He was a pastor in Burundi who was actually Congolese and then felt a call to go across the border into Eastern Congo, and he now leads our church planting efforts in Eastern Congo. He was a medical student in Burundi. He loved Jesus, but he was skeptical about the activity of the Spirit. He hears about this intravarsity seminar that's going to happen with this guy who's going to be teaching about the Holy Spirit. So he goes, he sits in the back row, arms folded. He's there for one reason, to scoff. This lady stands up at the close of service when this guy says he's going to pray for sick people to be healed. She comes to the front, and then she begins to jump up and down and say, I'm healed, I'm healed. Pastor Chizungu earlier that week had seen this lady in a clinical and knew that her leg was completely and totally messed up. So he comes down to the front to investigate with his own eyes. As he gets to the front, this brother stretches out his hand and prays for him. And by his own words, he says he got up off the ground an hour later, praying in tongues, no longer a skeptic, now fully convinced that the power of the Spirit was for the 21st century. You might be here today, and maybe you're a skeptic. Can I just remind you that when Jesus talks about walking in faith and believing, the hour that we're living in is going to necessitate the power of the Spirit. Pastor Chris has been doing a masterful job of discussing this the last few weeks and months. I guess it's almost a year that we've been in this series. This is part 56 today, all right? So the idea is just simply that we have to be open to the working of the Holy Spirit. Number three, repeal the poison of offense. This is verse 18. Mark talks about snake handling and drinking poison. I would advocate today that he's not just talking about snake handling, okay? Instead, he's talking about something far more lethal and toxic. Did you know the number one reason that the supernatural will shut down in your life and my life is offense? And one of the main incubators of offense in our generation is church hurt. I think this passage indicates that there are two primary forms of offense. Number one, it's direct offense. The snake bites you. Number two, it's indirect offense. Somebody else puts poison in the water and says, oh, my problems are so bad and -and so-and-so treated me so wrong, and you drink it, not even realizing that it's a secondary offense and it shuts down the supernatural. Pastor Boss goes on the screen behind me, one of our church planters. He graduates. He goes to plant a church from Burundi. He decides God's also calling him into eastern Congo because it's right on the border. He goes across the border thinking everybody's going to be so happy that church planting's going forward. What he discovers is they don't want anything to do with it. They concoct false charges and allegations against him. They get him arrested, thrown into prison. And in eastern Congo, you are guilty until proven innocent. We thought we would never see him again. You can imagine him there in the prison. God, where are you? God, I thought I was planting a church. God, how could you let this happen? You ever asked questions like that before? The temptation was towards offense. But he decided that the Lord had brought him into that place and that he was still going to be dynamic in his witness and continue to share the resurrection of Jesus. That 
picture that you see of him is actually the third baptism because there were two others of prisoners that came to know Jesus in the prison cell during that time. More than 80 prisoners put their faith in Christ. Today there is an evangelical spirit-filled church in that local prison cell and we got him out and now he's planted another church in the nearby town. To God be the glory. We cannot allow ourselves to become victims. We have to choose to be victors because of what Jesus has done in our lives regardless of how difficult it may be. Finally, Mark says, heal the sick. This is through the laying on of hands. Bishop Jerome, in the first picture I showed you, told me this story about Dieudonne the other day. He said Dieudonne was diagnosed with incurable hepatitis. He was a college student at the time. He fell into such a funk of depression because he was young and his life was over that he showed up at Bishop Jerome's church and Bishop Jerome told a group of believers, just go pray for him, whatever he needs. The doctors had told him, you have six months to live. They lay hands on him instantaneously he is gloriously healed he goes to the church planting school in Bujumbura today he's planting a church in central Burundi in a place called Mwaro preaching that Jesus still heals people who have hepatitis come on somebody how many of you know that when the gospel leaves the building when we begin to simplify the supernatural it changes people's lives so we've talked about going we've talked about showing and then I'll close out with this idea here that simplifying the supernatural is practiced in flowing all right did you catch that Simplifying the supernatural is practiced in flowing. Now, I think what Mark is trying to help us do here in chapter 16 is he's trying to give us a vision, not just for how Jesus can use the apostles, but how Jesus can use you and me. And that's why we're bringing out this idea that these these brothers and sisters in Burundi are just regular, ordinary, normal people. And probably my favorite verse in this passage in chapter 16 is this idea that, and the Lord worked with them. Isn't that cool? And the Lord worked with them. This takes the pressure off. I'm not trying to make the supernatural happen because I realize I can't in my own strength and my own ability. Rather, I'm in partnership with Jesus and he can. And so that takes all of the pressure of striving and performing and what happens if I lay hands and nothing, you know, seems to take place. I don't know what happens if something does take place. It's not up to me. It's up to Jesus, right? And so Mark tells us Jesus is taken up to heaven. He's seated next to God. And then Mark tells us that Jesus worked with them and confirmed the word. So how is Jesus doing this? Is Jesus leaving his throne and coming back down every time and then going back up and going back down? No, he's operating through the third person of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit, right? Now, I am going to use an example here, and we're going to pretend that this puppet who has no significance whatsoever to anybody who is in this room today, but let's just randomly give him a name. Let's call him Driss Cow, okay? I know it sounds like Chris Dow, but I didn't say Chris Dow. I said Driss Cow, okay? And any resemblance may or may not be there only because I asked Amy to find a puppet that looked like Chris, and she thought that the flannel shirt did, okay? (laughs) So you have Driss Cow here, and I'm going to suggest that the Holy Spirit is the right arm of God's power, okay? Now, I know it's not the greatest example, but just think about this. In the Old Testament, Driscoll is doing his thing, whatever it is. The Holy Spirit comes along, and for a specific moment, he empowers him, he rests on him, and then he disappears, right? Read it throughout the Old Testament. The New Testament comes along, and with Jesus dying on the cross, the beautiful thing is that the Holy Spirit no longer comes to dwell 
on us, on and off. He comes to live inside of us and empower us for ongoing witness, right? And so you can see Pastor Chris now getting new life and new energy. And I just like to call this idea flowing. It's being attentive and sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is speaking in and through our lives. And when the Holy Spirit says, lay hands on this person, you lay hands on that person. And when the Holy Spirit says, not at this moment, then you back off on that moment because we're not trying to force something or strive because at the end of the day, it's not our responsibility to heal. It's his responsibility to heal, right? Can I just suggest today that the Holy Spirit is challenging Christian Chapel as we move into 2024 to be a church that learns how to flow. As we go, as we show, we learn how to flow. And as we do that, Jesus is going to do even more awesome chapel praise stories than what we heard this year. And it's going to be through regular, normal conversations, normal, regular interactions. And we're going to see God get great glory because you and I are called to live supernatural lives, right? The final story here on the screen is Pastor Charlotte. I was at her church about a month ago. This is in southeastern Burundi. She's just this lady who's full of joy, full of faith. As far as I can tell, this is church number 100. I say as far as I can tell is because when I start, we start a project, we never know which one is completing before another one. And so Pastor Charlotte tells me her story. And she says in the mid-90s, she gives her life to Jesus. And she immediately felt a call of God. And because she was a part of a church that didn't believe that women could be in ministry, she felt really constricted and wasn't able to ever develop that. But she took every opportunity that she could, whether it was women's group or choirs or teaching the kids or Sunday school. She did whatever she could to try and flow and cooperate with where the Holy Spirit was leading her. She hears about a church planting school in Bujumbura, Burundi in 2022. She comes, she's trained, she's empowered. She goes back to this area in 2023 that as far as I can understand, she had been praying for for 20 years. She looked at me on that that, that afternoon and she says, I don't know who helped you to plant this church because she knew that I don't have those kind of resources, right, I guess. But she was saying, please tell them thank you because I have been believing God for more than 25 years that I would have the opportunity to become a pastor. And we met so many people in and around the community who are now believers. Christian Chapel, can I just say thank you for continuing to make church planting a reality. Thank you for continuing to simplify the supernatural that you don't have to have all of these mega, you know, speakers and projections. You can plant a local church and the Holy Spirit shows up and does what the Holy Spirit does best, which is to glorify Jesus. And he uses you and me to seal, heal, repeal, and deal. Oh, come on, somebody. I think that that is a great message of what God wants to do in our lives. Would you stand with me today as we look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word. I've tried to share it as simply as you put it inside of me. Lord, I just pray over Christian Chapel for those here in this room, for those watching online. Lord, I sense that there could be those struggling in their faith. I pray today that they would have a fresh encounter with the resurrected Jesus Christ. That this isn't just some kind of religious nonsense or hearsay or what our parents taught us, but that, Lord, you are alive and you are actively moving in this generation. Lord, I also sense that there's people in this room who are battling offense. It is thick. It is heavy. It has shut down the uh, supernatural moving of the Spirit in their lives. And I just pray today that there would come a spirit of forgiveness that would be released over this place, that we would be able to finally turn those wounds, those hurts, particularly church hurts, over to you and that you would get glory. And then finally, Lord, we just, we just pray uh, for those who just feel faith arising inside of them, those that need a miracle, those that need healing, those today that are saying, wow, 
I want Jesus to use me. And if that's you, would you just take both of your hands and just lift them up before the Lord, just like a sign of surrender before him. And I just want to pray that this would be a fresh moment of faith. And so, Lord, you see those that are raising their hands, and I pray that, Jesus, as we move forward into a new year with new opportunities, that this would be Christian Chapel's finest moment. That, Lord, there would be sealing and dealing and healing and repealing, and it would happen so often and so regular that it would just become a part of the culture. That, Lord, we would see so many uh, opportunities for praise to erupt that you would just be glorified in every way. Lord, we thank you for this. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in Burundi today. Lord, as a church that believes in church planting in Burundi, we just ask that you would continue to strengthen them. You would continue to let them walk in unity and purity and humility. Jesus would be glorified the darkness would be pushed back. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Steve. This morning, we want to respond in a couple ways. First of all, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, uh, he's not just saving people and leading them into new life in Burundi, but he's doing that right here in our midst this morning as well. So if that's a decision you need to make, if there are other needs in your life that you need someone to join you in prayer with, as the band leads us in a final song, I want to invite you to head out the back doors, take a, a left, a short walk across the lobby to the prayer room. Our pastors and prayer team members are waiting to pray with you. The second way we want to respond today is we want to continue our partnership with Stephen and Bailey and with the Burundi Assemblies of God. There is a whole new batch of church planters who've been trained, who even today are out gathering congregations, sharing the good news of Jesus. Some of them are meeting outdoors. Some of them are meeting in homes. Some are meeting in schools or other rented facilities. And in 2024, through your generous giving today, we're going to have the opportunity to build a church building for them. So if you'd like to to give, you can give at christianchapel.com slash give. Again, just designate your gift this morning for Burundi churches, and we'll make sure that goes there in its entirety. You can also uh, drop off a gift in the offering buckets on your way out this morning. If you're not prepared to give this morning, maybe it's something you want to really think about, make a, a more serious gift or more significant gift. You can do that at any time online or in person at Christian Chapel. But I know God over the years has worked incredibly through your generosity. So I just want to say thank you for taking time to pray and ask the Lord how he would have you participate and then joyfully offering that gift back to him. It is, it's not just good soil, it's fertile soil where people are ready to hear the gospel, to embrace the gospel, and to share the gospel. So thank you for being a part of what God is doing all over the world. But again, as we sing today, if there's a need in your life, we want to pray with you about that. So head out the back doors and to your left. The rest of us, we're going to sing one final song of worship this morning. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.